0: And now, a word from our sponsor, SixSense. SixSense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks, and optimizing operational efficiency. With SixSense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals, confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose SixthSense, visit SixSense.com.
1: We um, typically, as the name might give it away, are often the last line of checks that an object or a URL or a file might go through before being delivered to the ultimate recipient.
0: That's Andy Norton. He's the Director of Threat Intelligence at Lastline. The research we're discussing today is titled Malscape Snapshot, Malicious Activity in the Office 365 Cloud. Andy Norton co-authored the research with his colleague Stefano Ortolani.
1: Many of our customers have been migrating over to email cloud environments. So basically what initiated this research was a number of malicious detections that we were seeing for our customers that are using the Office 365 cloud. So that was basically the reason why we did some investigation into the type of threat that we were seeing.
0: And there's some history here, uh, looking at Office 365 mailboxes. This is a prime target.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think not only is sort of, you know, the adoption to cloud email becoming, you know, very prevalent, but that's also goes hand in hand with the fact that email credentials are often sort of the crown jewels or the keys to the kingdom. Hmm. So people targeting the theft of email credentials in the cloud environment. It has become one of the most common types of attacks that we're seeing.
0: Now, just from a basic uh, descriptive point of view, can you tell us what is mal-spam?
1: Mal-spam is basically unsolicited email that is uh, non-targeted in nature. Uh, So there's an element of it being bulk, but the payload is malicious, and leads to further risk on behalf of the organisation. So spam itself might just be uh, delivery of a website for you know pharmaceuticals, or it mm-hmm. could be you know something for you know dating. But there's no potential for that threat to migrate to an intrusion. With mail spam, if the user interacts with that email, there is a potential for someone to place a malicious object to steal data and to actually come back and look to do further harm to that organization so mouse spam takes infections and gives the propensity to lead to a full-on intrusion
0: but again it's it's sort of a shotgun approach they're not targeting individuals they're just sending out to a broad range of people out there
1: yes uh, we do see them going to you know numbers of of organizations. What is interesting about it, though, is in order for it to be successful, a lot of the attributes of the spam needs to be morphed in one way or another. So whilst they are uh, not targeting individuals, the file that gets sent will be unique. The hash of the URL will be unique. The IP address of the command and control infrastructure will be one-time use disposable. So they've sort of taken some of the inherent strengths of targeted attacks and they've developed it for a more broader audience.
0: Well, let's dig in here to what you found. Um, A lot of uh, what you're dealing with here started with TrickBot and GandCrab. Can you take us through what's going on with these?
1: Yeah. So what we see now is the attacks themselves have sort of multiple warheads. if If for want of a better description, they're not sort of, you know, single one shot attacks. So, So TrickBot is the element of the the infrastructure of the attack that allows for secondary payloads to be delivered onto the system. And in this particular attack, it was a ransomware payload, GanCrab version 3, that was put onto the system, or was the final payload. I think one of the interesting things about this type of attack is that we are very much drawn... To the ultimate visibility that the threat has with us. So there's very much, you know, the user, the organization would visibly see the ransomware note of the GAN crab payload, but would be unaware of the other type of modules that TripBot was also putting into the system.
0: Hmm. Let's dig into
1: that some. Can you describe to us what's going on? Sure. So what we see happening is that the first element, TrickBot, will put probably a password stealing or data theft banking Trojan element onto the system that immediately steals all of the you know web passwords, email passwords, Windows local credentials, and exfiltrates them, and then installs the ransomware payload. So when the organization comes to remediate the best advice you get for remediation with ransomware is to either you know restore from the last known good backup or do a reimage of the system so the organization then goes through that incident response process and brings back the system to a clean state however the actual other intent of the attack was to exfiltrate the usernames and passwords, and it allows that organization to be vulnerable from a secondary attack, which would be credential-led.
0: So it's a sort of almost ransomware
1: as misdirection. Exactly. And I'm certain that with other campaigns, that that is the goal. It's actually to distract the organization or convince the organization to apply an inappropriate incident response.
0: Now, some interesting uh, notes about TrickBot, about the, the way that it formats its messages. Uh, there's a pattern here and a sort of a social engineering element to the way they get people's attention.
1: Yes. So there's two aspects to this. So firstly, we have disparity in the way that we protect ourselves from attacks. So, so obviously, you know, portable executable files, .exe files, the industry itself has very good you know detection for there's been a lot of investment in artificial intelligence and machine learning you know that are able to study the genetics of executable files and and now are applying very strong levels of security to dot exes but what you'll find is is that prevention won't actually solve the problem of cybercrime it actually will change the problem and that's why we're seeing now more file types in use People are moving away from the reliance on a .exe to be part of the attack. So, with uh, TrickBot, they used basically uh, JavaScript files, which are you know prevalent in you know every web page or you know or an awful lot of you know e- emails with attachments have JavaScript built into them, and then was able to once the user interacted with the JavaScript, we launched a PowerShell script, which again has been default installed on windows since you know since windows 7 which then goes and gets the payload and the other thing that was interesting about this was it wasn't sort of the the theme wasn't really you know work related it wasn't you know hr related here's my cv mm-hmm. it wasn't finance related you know here's my you know purchase order or my invoice it was actually targeting the individual's personal life so it was like, you know, here's a new picture of you. You know, how, how could you take this picture of me? So it was very much structured around sort of, you know, the, the personal life of the victim.
0: Right, and, and a certain amount of vagueness uh, to them as well to, I guess, uh, spark someone's curiosity. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Also interesting, I thought, was um, the file name structure. They use a .jpg, .zip. Uh, I think certainly most people f- consider a, a .jpeg. Um, yeah. A dot .jpeg, I think most people think about as being comparatively benign.
1: Indeed. Um, again, it's a sort of a double bluff because the actual file extension is the zip. Right. The other thing that's interesting is it looks like the, the, the file name is sort of um, structured in the way that a digital camera might take a photo and, and give it a, a unique identifier.
0: Mm, right. So if the, the message says, uh, I'm about to publish this photo... And the file structure looks like something you'd be accustomed to with a photo. Uh, Again, another way to lure you in.
1: Exactly. It's just, you know, improving their click rate.
0: Right. So one of the things you dug in here was uh, this notion of how Microsoft handles uh, false positives and false
1: negatives. Can you take us through that? Yeah. So I think it's not just specific to Microsoft. I think it's anyone that's is operating email services, whether that be you know on-premise or in the cloud. And essentially, it's always been sort of a guiding rule with email, is, which is not to cause an undue amount of false positives. And that's because if you quarantine a business-critical email or if you delete a business-critical email, that can have a, you know extremely high business impact on an organisation of the level of uh, you know suffering a malicious infection and a subsequent intrusion. So, email providers tend to be less tolerant of false positives, and of course that induces the fact that you then get false negatives. So you do get malicious things coming through simply because they're sitting in that grey area, and the email provider doesn't want to. Quarantine or block the email from traveling to the user to the recipient.
0: Yeah. Now the the GandCrab malware here you discussed uh, version two and three and ways that
1: they made themselves undetectable. Can you describe that for us? Yes. Yeah, so GandCrab is being actively developed. We've we've now moved on to a version four, hmm. and to some extent this links back to the uh, executable argument of it being a weak link in the attacker's campaign. So Gancrab uses a reflective loading technique and this is also, you know, relevant to attacks which live off the land. So instead of it trying to put a new file onto the disk of the system which would initiate an antivirus scan, it loads itself into a known good system file and operates from there so that as far as AV checks are concerned. It's possibly whitelisted or known good file, uh, which is running on the system. So there is no new file for AV to inspect.
0: Hmm. And it has a pretty broad range of capabilities.
1: Yes, indeed. Um, There were, you know, a number of capabilities. So we identify capabilities as behaviors. Hmm. So whilst you can polymorph many, many aspects of an attack, what you can't do is change the underlying nature of it. And those natures are displayed in terms of behaviors. The way that it wanted to run on the system was very evasive. Uh, it was able to make changes to the system. Of course, it wanted to communicate back to its command and control. So there, there were a number of different behaviors associated with it. it was, um, what's important to point out there is identifying those behaviors is very important to doing the correct triage of a, of a particular attack. What you'll see is, is because AI has been so involved from doing static analysis, well, the the sort of the byproduct of that is extremely generic naming uh, nomenclature for those threats. So you'll see things like unsafe or uh, malware confidence one hundred or Trojan generic or file rep malware, which is great, but it doesn't help the security analyst apply an elevated level of incident response to attacks which do steal credentials or do uh, log into Outlook you know, and start sending mails. So the behavior is very important. Behavioral analysis is very important for making sure that once you get to a threat, you make sure there is no possibility of it coming back and doing you know, harm in the future.
0: Now, another thing that you looked at in your research here was the Emotet mail spam. Describe to us what you found here.
1: Yeah, so Emotet is a very successful payload campaign that we see, uh, not just in uh, Office 365, but across all vertical industries. It uses, it's constantly updating the way that it manages to infect systems. We're going to release some research in the future. So we think blacklisting or list-based or threat intel-based security is about 50% effective at stopping Emotet. Hmm. Again, it is a modular system. So, you know, the way that one organization would remediate Emotet might be very different to another organization because you might get different modules. Uh, Emotet was the attack which recently took out the Matsu government in Alaska. Uh, hit, I think, like 500 machines. It's cost them over a million dollars to remediate. One of the things that Emotet is additionally able to do is bring in a third-party payload. And again, it brought in a ransomware payload. And it, this could be to prevent the incident responders from doing correct remediation of the full capability of the attack.
0: So what are the take-homes for you? What are the lessons that we've learned from this research?
1: I think specifically here, two-factor authentication is becoming you know more and more important. It's very much should be the go-to safeguard for protecting credentials. Once you've got someone's email username and password, you can get into many, many different systems. You know, For example, if you have my Gmail password and you use my credential to log into Amazon and Amazon says, what's the password? And you don't know what it is. You can force a code to be sent to my email account, which will then allow you to log into my Amazon. And buy things in my name. Hmm. So, having two factor authentication stops a lot of those channels for harm. Also, one of the other things which has become outdated is a best practice. And it says, you know, do not open attachments from someone you don't know. It assumes that it's okay to open attachments from someone you do know. And we need to move beyond this advice now. That's you know it's easy to spoof someone's address it's easy to do account takeover you know if you have got their username and password you are effectively those people so so the best advice now is trust no url or attachment organizations should provide a level of behavioral analysis um, that scans all urls and all attachments before being delivered to the recipient and take the burden of security away from the user and put it back on the technology. And then the final thing, which is apply, stick with it. It's been used in you know, enterprise and internal networks for a long time now, uh, which is defense in depth, use multiple different types of technologies. So it broad and also use a number of different vendors or makers so that you, you don't build in a blind spot or a weakness into the security. So that. Best practice needs to translate to the cloud, not just internal networks. So, you know, if you are using Office 365, the bad guys will also have accounts, test accounts. They will be checking to see whether their malware is able to subvert existing Microsoft defenses. So, you will need third party add ons if your level of risk, you know, warrants. And, you know, ensuring that the data you have remains confidential, integral, and available when you need it.
0: Yeah, I, I'm intrigued by uh, one of the things you have here uh, in in your research, which is this notion of uh, of detonating everything that comes through. Uh, yeah. It's certainly a, an evocative uh, a notion. Can you describe to us? what do you mean by
1: that? Okay, so basically, d- detonating means getting the, the URLs and attachments to reveal their intent in an instrumented environment, which we could liken to a detonation chamber. Mm. So we put the object in. We want to see what it does. So we encourage the file to carry out all of its actions inside a, an instrumented environment. Once we see that, we then know what will happen to the, the actual user's device if we release this file. So we can say, okay, well, this is this is you know doing reflective loading. This is sending your Windows credential to a site in in the cloud somewhere. Mm. It is trying to detect uh, sandboxes. It's it's trying to shut down the antivirus from getting updates. We actually, you know, those behaviors we don't want to release this object into the internal environment. So that's the idea behind detonation.
0: Calling in the bomb squad ahead of time. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And then so from a user's point of view, they get the all clear that this file, this link, whatever it might be, has been through a certain level of scrutiny before it's even hit my mailbox.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. So we're taking the burden of having cyber resilience away from the user and we're putting it in into technology where there can be no debate about whether a file is good or bad. It's... You know it reveals its intention in the instrumented environment i think we're very much under pressure i think security analysts have a tough job knowing how to remediate correctly i think prevention whilst is a an ideal solution will just change the problem and the bad guys will come up with new ideas and i think we do need to in the face of escalated activities on behalf of the bad guys i think we do need to adopt better technology and better best practices. So I think if we can get those three messages across, I think it's been worthwhile doing.
0: Our thanks to Last Lines' Andy Norton for joining us. The research is titled Malscape Snapshot, Malicious Activity in the Office 365 Cloud. We'll have a link in the show notes. You can also find it on the Last Line website. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and zero trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how NetScope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit NETSKOPE.com. The Cyberwire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond.